Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. As always, I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and you're listening to episode number 42 of this ongoing podcast series that is for the love of movies. I hope everyone's doing well. Maybe you had a chance to catch a movie at a local theater or stream one of the many great films that are available on all the different platforms at this moment. A couple bit of housekeeping before I start today's show. I'm going to be reviewing The King of Comedy. I did a recent rewatch of this Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese team up from 1982. And needless to say, I have some thoughts on it. But before I put this film under the microscope, I wanted to just share with you guys some updates and news, uh, as well as some thoughts on some breaking news, uh, if you will, over the last number of days. First off, as always, thank you to you, the listeners, for your continuous support of this podcast and for tuning in each and every week. I've said it before, and I will say it again, this is a passion project. It remains a passion project, but the response, the encouragement, the enthusiasm from you, the listeners, has made it all the more worthwhile and enjoyable. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, times 100. Thank you, thank you. Uh, at this point, if you have not done so, uh, feel free to rate and review this podcast as well as pass it along, share it, recommend it to a family member, a friend, anyone who you think might enjoy listening to a fellow movie buff go on and on and perhaps go on too long at points <laughs> over his love of movies and cinema. As always, you can follow me along on Twitter and Instagram. All the handles and information are available in the show notes. And I would appreciate a a follow, and I will be sure to follow you back, and we can continue the conversation uh, online, as the the old saying goes. Uh, Lastly, a little bit of an update for next week's show. I'm really excited uh, about this episode. For episode number 43, we're celebrating Halloween a little early (laughs) this year. Now, I expect we'll be returning to my favorite movie franchise and one of my favorite times of the year later on uh, when the appropriate season rolls around. But uh, nevertheless, I I thought let's get a jump on the holiday season, uh, the Halloween season, a little early this year. And next week I will be doing a revisit of David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy, talking Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. Now what's even more exciting about next uh, next week's episode is I'm doing it with two friends, so I'm looking forward to sharing with you our discussion. It was a uh, spoiler alert, uh, quite a long one. You know, you get some Halloween f- fans together. It's going to be a passionate and, and uh, wide-ranging discussion. But uh, I, I really am uh, pleased with it, and I will be uh, dropping that episode next week. So uh, look for that in your uh, uh, on the updates for uh, for next week's show. So, what else has been going on? Well, the Scream trailer dropped. Scream 6, uh, as it's being called. Uh, There's been posters and a a quick, quick teaser that dropped. I can't even call it a teaser, more like a a, a teasette uh, a few weeks back. And now, here we go. We've got the the trailer, and wow. I, I mean, wow. If you have not had a chance to check it out, Go find it on YouTube. I think it's got over 10 million views at this point. And I have to say, this was a movie that 
I have been slowly building my anticipation for over the last number of months. And, and now I'm about at a fever pitch in terms of excitement and anticipation. The trailer looks fantastic. Ghostface, my God. I think we, we, we can safely say Ghostface has entered the chat. Ghostface is in the same league as Michael Myers and all the other great slashers in horror history. But my God, this trailer, it's dark, it's edgy. Hayden Panettiere makes a, a brief appearance. Uh, she's returning to this film playing Kirby. Uh, it just looks like a fresh reinvention of the franchise. If, if Scream was criticized for being too safe and and sticking to the the usual formula though I don't necessarily agree with that that criticism but if if that is the uh, the the knock if you will on scream scream 6 is shaking up the snow globe and changing everything for the better first off the film is going to be set in New York City which I think automatically uh, heightens the tension, broadens the story canvas, and of course is a great reference to one of the Friday the 13th movies, Jason Takes Manhattan, so I'm expecting a lot of nods and winks and references to that film as well. But needless to say, the trailer, if I wasn't already excited for this film, the trailer just pushed me uh, over the over over the line, and, and I can't wait to see this film when it drops on March 10th. So, yeah, had to, had to make a quick comment on, on Scream. As you know, this is a, a, a slasher and, and horror franchise-friendly podcast, so any opportunity that I can uh, make, a, make a mention or a reference to any of the great horror films that are out there, you know I'm going to do it. And that'll certainly be happening on next week's show, but uh, stay tuned for that. Let's see, what else is going on? Well, of course, this was the big week. The Academy Award nominations are out. They have dropped, and my God, what a fantastic selection of actors and nominations for films. I, I, I've i said it before, and I will say it again, 2022 was one of the best years for movies in recent memory. And some people say, oh, 2021 was the year that movies came back. And there's an argument to be made, certainly coming out of COVID. I immediately think back to Dune and um, Spider-Man No Way Home. But 2022 was a was a different animal. I mean, in terms of the number of films this year, that, that, that sort of broke box office records. Fantastic year for, for films that weren't superhero or or uh, comic book-centric films. I mean, those movies made their money, but a lot of other films uh, broke into the, uh, the box office stratosphere this year, and, and that's a good thing. But in addition to that, the wide array of genres and, and types of stories that were being told last year just incredible, incredible filmmaking and storytelling. Think everything from everything, everywhere, all at once to the Batman, the Northman, Pearl X, I mean, Top Gun Maverick, the the list goes on. It was a great year for films of all shapes and sizes. I mean, you have small budget films, low budget, mid, mid budget films, big budget films, franchise films, independent films, smaller story centered films. I mean, just Every category, every genre seems to have had a little piece last year. Of course, horror was on fire and, and just killing it. But uh, needless to say, 
I was pleased with what the what the nominations were this year, and there 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 were some surprises to uh, to say the least. For example, sixteen actors were first time nominees this year. So think Austin Butler, Michelle Yeoh, Brendan Fraser, Jamie Lee Curtis, and of course Stephanie Hsu, Ana de Armas. I mean, the list goes on. Just a wide array of talented performances that were nominated. A lot of first-time performances, as I said. And of course, Everything Everywhere All at Once racked up the most nominations, including Best Picture and in the, the Best Acting categories, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress uh, nominations for Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Stephanie Hsu. Uh, just just a wonderful a wonderful little film that could, and, and really a, a little film about a lot of big things and big themes. And I think I've only briefly talked about this movie in the past, and, and I expect to do a full review and, and, and dissection of it in the, uh, the coming weeks ahead of the Academy Awards, just because I, I do think it is a film that if you haven't had a chance to see it, go see it, because it really does live up to all of the hype surrounding it, and it's not an over-exaggeration. It is a beautiful, moving story that is about life, it is about love, it is, it is about family, it is about all the little things that make life so complex, so trying, so difficult, and yes, so wonderful. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, you will not hear a bad word said about that film or, or anyone involved uh, from uh, from my mouth, because it is truly a special, special film. But more on that in the coming weeks. So now it is time for the main event, the show, if you will. Let's bring out the king of comedy and put it center stage for today's discussion. Now, as I said at the beginning, this was a, a recent rewatch. I haven't seen this film in three years. I think the last time I watched it was prior to the release of Joker. And so my my impression of this film kind of is from that uh, pre-Joker mindset and and now looking back on it first off there's a lot of great references and and nods to uh, in the Joaquin Phoenix film uh, certainly that movie pays great tribute to films like The King of Comedy and a little bit to to Taxi Driver but the the main point th- this film was largely forgotten when it was released in 1982 it was a hit with critics, but it made no money at the box office. It, it, it quite literally was a box office disaster. And for a lot of years, it was misunderstood, it was abandoned, it was forgotten. And only, I think, kind of in recent years, I think the release of Joker helped resurface this film, allowed people to rediscover it. I mean, for me, I would put it right up there with Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, The Departed. I think it's one of Scorsese's best films. And I think partly why is is it is so realistic. It is so prescient. And I think that is why I was unsettled upon rewatching it the other night. This movie, outside of delivering a, a, a great performance by Robert De Niro who plays this struggling and and failed wannabe comedian named Rupert Pupkin. The film is a great commentary on 
celebrity culture, on fan culture, on our society at large, and kind of this fame-seeking rush. And it's easy to see why this film may have been dismissed, or perhaps the better word is misunderstood, at the time of its release, because the themes and ideas that are being tackled in this movie are are pretty heavy. And like I said, it's an unsettling film. I was bothered after rewatching it. The first time I watched it, it was just sort of the experience of watching the film. You're never quite sure how you feel one way or another. But after rewatching it the other night, I mean, first off, I was bothered by kind of what the end the the end point is in that the film is really saying that this line where people are willing to sort of cross it in, in the name of of seeking fame seeking fortune about just having their name in lights it, it's really on point and we've seen this throughout our own lives throughout history of the last probably 25, 30 years, especially now, anyone can pick up a phone and record themselves and essentially, you know, be singing in the rain and they become a viral sensation. And and the film is essentially saying that is not necessarily a good thing because in the case of uh, Rupert Pumpkin, he is presented as someone who, while kind of, you know, genteel and, and, and innocent on, on the surface is is really a, a delusional and, and frankly dangerous individual individual who sees no flaw in himself. Again, the plot of this movie, and I'll be getting into some spoilers, so if you haven't seen this film and you'd like to preserve the experience, now would be a time to step away from the from the podcast. But getting back to uh, to the plot of it Rupert is this struggling comedian, but he doesn't admit that. He he believes he's already a sensation, that all he just needs is just a little bit of success and he will be on easy street. And it's through his meeting, this chance meeting with this talk show host named Jerry Langford, who is played by Jerry Lewis, kind of a, a compilation of, of talk show hosts of that era, specifically uh, Johnny Carson who, interestingly enough, was offered the role but turned it down uh, because he had issues with the script and thought it was a little too on the nose. But more on that on that later. It's through this meeting, this chance meeting with, with Jerry that Rupert, delusional, believes that, okay, I've, I've got my connection. Next stop is the big time, big show. I'll have my name in lights, and it's going to be fantastic. Well, it turns out it doesn't work out that way, but Rupert is undeterred, mind you. He he will not take no for an answer, and, and when he's brushed aside by Jerry again, he takes matters into his own hands and kidnaps him, holds him, holds him hostage, and in exchange for his release, he wants to have a spot on Jerry's show and deliver an opening monologue. And of course, the police, uh, the FBI, the producers on Jerry's show, they comply with his demands, and as a result, Rupert goes on, delivers this monologue, and while he is arrested, re- achieves fame and, and untold measures of success. Now, that's that's a quick rundown of the film's plot. So, 
the argument that, or the, the point that's kind of being made is that there's a real danger in, in people going to extremes in order to try and achieve success and, and fame. And that there is something uh, to say about the merit of hard work and determination that you can't just sort of lash out and expect the world to, to bow to your whim. Now, of course, that is what happens with Rupert in this film. But the point being, that is not the way it, it sh- you know, a society should react to a, a given situ- to any given situation. And more importantly, that is no way to ultimately achieve any kind of uh, long-lasting success or fame. Yes, Rupert gets his 15 minutes of fame. He holds a TV show host hostage. He gets his name in lights. He gets his name in the paper. He gets a book deal while in prison. But interestingly enough, the final scene of this film, and you know, I, it's debatable whether or not it's it's real or if it's fantasy. I mean, the movie really blurs the lines throughout it because Rupert has these moments of delusion where he's imagining himself in different situations and different scenarios. And he's always a success. But I, I tend to actually come down on the side that I think the ending is, is real life. It is, it is real uh, and not one of his fantasies. And the reason I think that is, in all of his delusions, Rupert knows all the answers. He's the smartest man in the room. He's, he's the guy on top. He's great. Everybody loves him. That's always what happens in his, his fantasies. And so by the end of the film, of course, he's you know, committed the act. He's held Jerry hostage. He's gotten on the, the Jerry Langford show. He's delivered a monologue. He's known around the world because of what he did in order to get there. As I said, he gets a book deal while in prison and, and is sort of from there, you know, welcome back into polite society with open arms because even though he did this this crazy and, and outrageous and frankly criminal um, act, he's still welcome because sort of the showmanship of it all. So getting back to the point of whether or not the ending is a delusion or, or not, I believe that it is real. And the reason I think that is throughout the film, his fantasies, of course, suggest that he's you know, in charge, he knows everything, he's the greatest guy in the world. Well, at the very end of the film, it's implied that he, you know, of course, has a great best-selling book, he lands his own separate talk show, and he's there on what is presumably opening night of his talk show, and the crowd is cheering for him, everybody's smiling, and it's this big uh, celebration, his return, if you will, he's you know been released from prison, and is now on top again. Well, Rather than showing him immediately making the audience laugh with a joke or a, an opening monologue, the film, uh, the, the the camera holds on Rupert, and he's just sort of staring out into space. He's lost. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have a line. He doesn't have a joke. He's just sort of stuck there. And, and I took it as, at that moment, He's dreamed about kind of making it and being a, a big shot, having his name in lights, having his own show. And yet when he finally gets there, he doesn't know what to do. You know, he kind of he had his 15 minutes of fame and, and that's all it was. It was a 15 minutes of fame. And now he has nothing else. He has no second act, if you will. And I think that was kind of suggesting that, you know, kind of the old saying, all the glitter 
is not gold. I mean, Rupert is, is the dog that caught the car. And finally, at the end of it, you know, he doesn't know what else to do. And, and that, to me, is kind of a, 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 you know, again, fairly prescient answer to kind of what we see in our own society, where I think it is fair to say there is a lot of uh, quote-unquote talent that sometimes... Uh, stays longer in the spotlight than uh, they might otherwise. And I think it's only, and I think what Scorsese is trying to say here is that uh, not everything is uh, is warranting of attention, if you will. And, and in the case of, you know, of Rupert, this is somebody who is just sort of, you know, lashing out for attention, is crying out for acceptance for the world, from the world. And, uh, there's even you know, more evidence to that throughout his uh, his monologue that he delivers at the end of the film on the Jerry Langford show, where he sort of, through jokes and punchlines and one-liners, essentially gives his upbringing. He tells his about his childhood, and it's a very uh, sad and, and frankly uh, uh, disturbing portrait of a broken home of a family of. Of, of drunks and alcoholics and how he was uh, bullied and abused. And so you sort of come away from that with, with two points. I mean, one, you, you feel bad for the character because this is someone who has been uh, downtrodden his entire life, who has been looked down on by, by people, by society. But at the same time, you sort of see why he does what he does, that, that he is someone who craves for attention. I mean, it, it, we're not meant to, to rationalize or accept his behavior, but we're able to understand it and, and see that what he is doing all stems back from his broken and very messed up childhood. And so, you know, the film kind of, you know, sort of offers a commentary on that situation, how, you know, people lash out and act out because of things that happened in their in their private lives, either as children or, or through a traumatic event, and, and Rupert seems to be, you know, again he's sort of much more uh, of a character, but you can see that there are there are glimmers of, of of a really broken person who is trying to make sense of their life, and the only way they're going to make sense of it is by almost creating a, a character onto themselves and getting back to sort of the themes of, of delusion and fantasy and reality, which is present throughout the film. Of course, as I said, Rupert is exhibiting fantasies and, and, and moments of delusion at various points. And he's, you know, there's, there, there are parts where you, the audience, don't know what is real or, and what is not. And I think that's kind of what, what, what's even the larger point of this film is that sometimes we don't even know ourselves what is real. Or, or what is not. I mean, there's almost an Orwellian uh, 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 vein running through this entire film that it, it's meant to confuse you because as we've seen in our own lives, as we've seen in society, there can be moments of, of uncertainty where we don't know what is truth and we don't know what is what is fiction. And when the two become blurred, it can really distort the picture and sort of throw everything into chaos. Now, as I said, I can see why this film 
was was largely forgotten when it came out because it, it is tapping into some really heavy uh, themes and, and points. I mean, to say nothing about the whole idea of celebrity worship and 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 fan culture and sort of the obsessive nature uh, of fandoms uh, that the film is suggesting. I, mean, I think it's only magnified uh, in in recent in recent days uh, or in recent years. But uh, looking at it now, I, I was really unsettled by it because it does feel so real. I mean, I think we've all seen headlines about some obsessed fan who stalked a celebrity or showed up at a celebrity's house or, or, you know, I mean, just pick anything out of kind of out of the, uh, the collective memory. Uh, and this film seems to be tapping into that, this idea of, you know, people thinking, Oh, a celebrity is my friend or I bumped into some, you know, some famous person and therefore we formed a connection. I mean, it, it really, is kind of a frightening commentary on on people, and I can see how that would be a, would have been an issue, especially back in the 1980s. But but now it, it just seems so ahead of its time, and was really tapping into something that I think has always always been there. I mean, there's a point in the film where Rupert is sharing with one of the characters his autograph collection. And he's got a whole bunch of autographs from Marilyn Monroe and 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 uh, just other famous actors of the day. And the way he's recounting how he got these autographs, he's almost you know telling the story of, of of old friends and how he knew these people. And and again, it just seems just seems so very very uh, very prescient that that we've seen this story told time and time again and i think now through social media where as i said almost anybody can can you know interact with a celebrity or 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 form a uh you know a connection or or in a way become famous themselves the lines really get blurred and you know of course there's there's great advantages but there's also i think great disadvantages i mean for every positive there is uh, a negative reaction and I'll just give one more example because it is in the news. And, and having just watched this and now seeing this headline, it feels like everything has just collided in that the point the film is making but about the boundaries between fans and celebrities uh, is all right there. So I saw that Britney Spears had the police called to her house the other night. And the reason the police came to her house was not because she had called, but people were calling the authorities over Britney's deletion of her Instagram page. Now, that is something I guess apparently I'm not clued in on at all, but from what I have read, she has done this many times and and it's no big deal. Well, apparently fans took it to an extreme and thought it meant that she was in trouble and called the the local sheriff's office. So much so that I guess apparently she had to put out a a statement saying everything is fine, everything is okay, uh, but you know, please respect my privacy. And I feel like that's exactly the kind of message that the film was the King of Comedy was saying, that there is 
this blurring of the lines between celebrities and the fans. And and again, I'm not trying to give a commentary on on Britney. I mean, I know there have been issues in the past, and I'm not uh, signaling uh, signaling anybody out or or trying to uh, diminish her fans in any way. I mean, I'm again, I'm sure it was all, everything was done out of an abundance of, of caution for her. But at the same time, like she deletes her Instagram page and people immediately flip out and and lose their minds. And again, I think there's that, that boundary, that line. And I don't know, this just felt like, you know, art imitating life or life imitating art, depending on how you want to look at it. And I guess, again, I wouldn't have paid any attention to this story uh, but for having watched The King of Comedy the other night, and it just seems like that is exact the exact point that fi- the film was making. The exact point. I mean, Britney Spears had to put out a statement saying, you know, please respect my privacy, essentially. I mean, that's that that right there. That is the whole pitch of of The King of Comedy. I mean, again, the character of Rupert Pumpkin is, is sort of kind of a, almost a representation of, of the obsessed fan of, of people going to the extremes to worship a celebrity, thinking that a celebrity is their friend. And again, now with, with the advent of social media, it, it's you know, very easy to interact with celebrities and, and famous personalities just by with a click of a button. And I think... Go again, going back to the movie, the argument is that there there has to be that line of separation that, that you know, again, respects for privacy, respects for for boundaries. Uh, there's there has to be some some way to kind of, you know, separate uh, the situations, because when it when there is no separation, the, the lines become blurred and again, tying it into the film, reality and fantasy mix and and when those mix you can't tell the difference between truth and and fiction so i mean again not i'm not trying to you know make a larger uh, point necessarily but i just thought after seeing that story i said my god this this feels so on the nose i mean like just what like what is going on here and then of course having watched this movie it all just sort of comes full circle and just reinforces the point the movie was making. I mean, again, outside of sort of people's craven desire for, you know, sometimes people's craven desire for fame or for attention or fortune, but just that that larger point about kind of, you know, who we are or, and who we who we want to be or who we pretend to be, you know, kind of the characters we play. But I, I, this is a film that I'm glad more and more people have have discovered or perhaps rediscovered because it it is thought provoking and it is unsettling again i think the world we live in today where again everybody can can interact with a celebrity and there is that that blurring of the lines the film does feel so so real and so in your face uh, but but it is i think a, a cautionary tale it is a, it is a tale about fame and sort of the, the the pitfalls of fame, but it also is about the worshiping of celebrities and and how that can be a a danger on on both sides. Again, I think you know sometimes there's that overindulgent on on the famous person's part. You know, again, there, there's there has to be almost that line, and and 
and sometimes that when that line gets blurred to go back to it you know truth and fiction merge and you can't tell the difference but i know th- this is a film that I, I i'm glad i revisited it because now you know always stepping back from it and, and sort of looking at it with with a different perspective i mean i it was truly a, a ahead of its time because there are moments in it, in, in it where there's genuine humor, and, and and of course Robert De Niro never turns in a bad performance. He's another one of those actors. Uh, th- this is one of his strongest works, I, I think, of all time. But but the tone of the film is sort of a a mixed bag, and I mean that in a good way because there are moments of of, of humor uh, and, and and kind of you know outright laughter and and. Um, th- th- there's a character of, of Marsha played by uh, Sandra Bernhardt. And uh, f- for those who are uh, a fan or, or, or know the show Family Guy, they did a, a kind of a, 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 a reference to one of the scenes in this movie uh, in, the, uh, in the show years and years ago. Uh, the, the famous line, you know, we're going to have, you know, good old-fashioned American fun. I mean, I'm sort of, uh, you know, pulling it from the air there but but you get the uh you get the point and and it's just sort of like there are moments where you just sort of like you you can't help yourself but laugh because Rupert is so obnoxious and he's so full of himself and never sees anything uh, wrong with what he's doing but yet at the same time you're almost you have to say like you know dear god why am i laughing at this because the, the humor is so dark and it's so twisted and you know, again, I think that's one of the you know the geniuses of of quote unquote comedy, where you can poke fun at at really tough situations and 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 dramatic uh, uh, moments, and yet ultimately say a larger point about something. I, I, I know this is a this is a satire on 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 celebrity that I think. Everybody should 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 watch at least once because I think it, it does say something about our worship, but but also again it goes back to it being a cautionary tale, and, and I would pair it with with the movie Joker because it is a nice companion piece. Again, the references and 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 the nods in Joker. I mean, it's it's fun to sort of look back at the two and see. Uh, you know what was a reference and what was not, and I mean, really, Todd Phillips and Joker wrote a great love letter uh, of the, the cinema of Martin Scorsese, either Taxi Driver or, in this case, The King of Comedy. But uh, it, you know, Joker is sort of a, a beast uh, onto itself. The King of Comedy is something else entirely. It really is this this commentary on. On us, it, it, I mean, a lot of films do that. I know I'm not really saying anything that is untrue here, there, but it really is a commentary on on who we are and what kind of what we crave, what we desire, and, and how far you know somebody is willing to go. I mean, in, in the case of Rupert Pumpkin, he's willing to hold the talk show host hostage. Like it's it, you know it, it's absurd and it's you know funny at points, but there, there's there's a lot of truth in that humor and in those sort of absurd moments, but I know I I I I don't know how I 
honestly feel about this film. I mean, it's it's unsettling. It's thought provoking. It's real, <laughs> if I can call it that. It it feels it feels like it is a reflection. It's holding a mirror up to society. Now, that in some ways, you know, can be very uh, disturbing and, and twisted. But it can also, I think, be I think it can also be healthy because it can kind of show us all what not to do in a way. And, and and when a movie can be both entertaining, I mean, I was you know, entertained, re, uh, you know, on this rewatch. I mean, because the performances are great. Uh, Jerry Lewis plays a, a wonderful fictional talk show host. Again, kind of a, 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 a nod to Johnny Carson. Uh, Robert De Niro is utterly fantastic. But... Uh, Putting aside, you know, kind of the enjoyment of the performances, it, it is an uncomfortable film because it is talking about things which, again, in 1982, I think were there, but were not grabbing headlines. Now this film feels uh, so timely and, and eerily familiar that that we've seen this story played out again and again, uh, you know, in the headlines in real life, and that is uh, that is both. Uh, intriguing from kind of an intellectual uh, standpoint, but also uh, unsettling because it, it does show that uh, that argument of life imitating art. And I know that's that that's perhaps a discussion for another day. But nevertheless, that uh, that I think will uh, conclude this show. I'll bring down the uh, the curtain on the King of Comedy. Uh, again, I, I I recommend it, especially if you are a fan of, of Martin Scorsese. Uh, I I guess you would, you, I would probably say you would, this would fall into a kind of a, a cult classic, if you will. I think it has found an audience in recent years. You know, no doubt uh, enhanced by by Joker, which which definitely uh, drew inspiration from it. But uh, as far as it being a work of Scorsese, who's one of the greatest directors of all time. This is up there with some of his best work. I mean, as a character piece, and a lot of Scorsese's work, uh, especially his early work, are are great character studies. Think think Taxi Driver. This is almost like a an extension to it. Um, Rupert feels like a, a kind of the flip side to Travis Bickle. Um, if if Travis was very much an introvert and introspective. Uh, Rupert is an extrovert and quite uh, quite apparently oblivious, uh, to, to, to put it one way. And, and it's, I, I guess, honestly, if I was, I'll, ref- I'll rephrase what I said earlier. Th- this and Taxi Driver would be two great companion films because... They both sort of deal with a with with commentaries on society at large, on on fame, on on individuals, on on, on in some cases loneliness and, and and broken homes and kind of levels and, and and what it will what what stakes people will will go to in order to achieve. Their goals. I mean, certainly in the case of Travis Bickle or and Rupert, totally different goals on on different fields. But 
similar in the sense that they, these are both driven individuals who will essentially stop at nothing to achieve their objectives. So, yeah, I think I, I take that back. The, these would be the two films I would suggest as as companion pieces. And, I mean, certainly that's a great night of cinema, uh, to say the least. Martin, two Martin Scorsese films starring Robert De Niro. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that, I think. But, uh, nevertheless, I think that's all I have to say on The King of Comedy. Wanted to kind of change it up a little bit, revisit a film that has definitely, uh, I think, grown in esteem over over the last number of years. And certainly, again, upon rewatching it, it's, it's, it's Martin Scorsese. I mean, need I say, need I say any more? But for now, cut, print, bring down the curtain. That's all I have to say on The King of Comedy. Now, as a reminder, for next week's show, Trick or Treat, <laughs> Halloween is coming a few months early, but going to be a revisit and discussion on Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. And I'm even more excited to welcome on the show two friends, Anthony Caruso from Tiv's The Podcast and Chris Evans from Gathering of the Geeks. This was a lot of fun, and I really hope you enjoyed the show. But more on that next week. Until then, take care, be well, and I will be back next week, and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies.